0: Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on August 28, 2016, on the basis of Romans 9, verse 30 through 10, verse 4. I'm going to get right to the point today. Here's what I want for every single person and every single family who's here today and who is part of our congregation. I want you to be in church every single Sunday. I want 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings to be the one hour of your week that is absolutely unconditionally untouchable. Never mind, I I take that back. Actually, 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Because I want every, every kid here in Sunday school each week, I want every adult in Bible class. And on every day of the week that isn't Sunday morning, I want you to be in God's Word too. I want you reading the Bible in your home. I want you reviewing with your children the lessons that they bring home from Sunday school each week and reciting with them the passages that go with it and singing with them the songs that we learn here on Sunday mornings until until they're stuck in your head and you just can't get them out. And if someone were to ask you, to describe what your church is all about or or what you believe. And and if you're not completely confident in the answer that you would be able to give, then I also want you to come to our page one class, which is starting up on Tuesday nights in just a couple of weeks. Did you get all that? (laughs) You might be thinking to yourself, Boy, Pastor Bauer, that sounds like an awful lot of religion. In fact, it sounds like an awful lot of what most people would call organized religion. And it's no secret that you put those two words together and they have a very negative connotation in our modern American vocabulary, organized religion. In fact, I want to tell you today about this book that I just started reading. It's by a very well-known and outspoken atheist by the name of Christopher Hitchens. And it's entitled, God is Not Great. Subtitle, How Religion Poisons Everything. Talk about getting right to the point, right? Now, obviously, not everyone feels quite this strongly about organized religion. And yet, I wonder if you would ever hear anyone say something like this, Boy, my life is just in shambles right now. It's a complete mess. And you know what I think I need a little bit more of to get things back on track? more organized religion God maybe faith sure spirituality yeah but but organized religion i would be very surprised and so maybe that makes convincing you to do all of the things that i mentioned before seem like kind of an impossible task i mean a choice to do any one of those things much less all of them is by default, a choice not to do something else with your time, right? And so why in the world would you make that choice? That's the question that the Word of God in front of us today is going to answer, that question of of why. Why would I come to church? Why would I come to Bible class? Why would I come to Sunday school? Why do I want the teachings of, of a book to be deeply ingrained in my heart and in the heart of the members of my family? In other words, why do I need religion? Now, it might sound like a bit of a surprise to you for me to say that these verses that are in front of us today are going to give us the answer because I don't know if you were paying attention before or if you can quickly scan them now, but the word religion is nowhere to be found. And yet there is a word that keeps coming up over and over and over again that has everything to do with our religion. Six times in our English translation. In the the original Greek, it's actually eight. You can kind of see it highlighted in red there. It's the word righteousness. More commonly today, we might say approval, validation, acceptance, someone else's positive assessment of our performance. Kids, it's what you get when mom or dad says, Good job i 'm proud of you it 's what you get when you bring home a report card that has nothing but a 's from top to bottom adults it 's what you get when your employer gives you a raise it 's what you get when you, you put something out on social media and you get lots of likes and lots of comments and lots of retweets and lots of shares in fact the whole social media phenomenon is maybe the best proof that, that this righteousness, this validation, this approval is something that by nature we as humans desperately crave. And it has everything to do with our religion. You see, normally the definition of religion is kind of restricted to Simply belief in one or more gods or, or strict adherence to the teachings that are found in some sort of holy book. But really, religion is much, much bigger than that. Religion is simply the primary place where I go to get my righteousness where I go to get the validation and approval that I so desperately crave. And so really, the question that's in front of us today is not so much, why do I need religion, as if, as if I have the choice to either be religious or not. Really, at the end of the day, all of us are going to be religious one way or another. We're all going to pursue that validation and approval that we crave somewhere. The only question is where? The only question is, what religion am I going to be? And in these verses, the Apostle Paul offers us two options. Option number one is the route that in his day, the Jewish people were primarily going down. Option number one is to pursue that validation and approval ourselves with our own performance. And Paul almost compares that to running a race. You know, there's a a great line in the classic movie, Chariots of Fire. Have you seen it? Where, uh, where one of the runners talks about the 100-meter dash that he's about to run and he refers to it as 10 lonely seconds to justify my entire existence. That kind of gets at the heart of what we're talking about here. That option number one for pursuing our own righteousness is to base it on our own performance and it's almost like running a race. Now, normally uh, the rules of a race are very, very simple, right? Whoever crosses the finish line wins. Whoever crosses the finish line first is the winner of the race. But, But when we go to pursue our own righteousness with our performance, the problem is that very quickly we realize we're not going to win the race. We know what God's expectations of us are, and we know that no matter how fast we run, we just can't keep up. We know that God expects us to be... Generous and giving, for example, and yet so often we are greedy and tight fisted. We know that God expects us to be kind and helpful when we see people in need, and yet so often we turn a cold shoulder. We start pursuing our own righteousness, and pretty soon we feel like every single Olympic swimmer in the 800 meter freestyle swim who wasn't named Katie Ledecky. Did you did you see that? I want to show you a picture of the end of that race. Katie Ledecky is about to reach the finish line. That yellow line that you see there is her own world record that she's about to demolish, but I want you to look at the other swimmers who are trying to catch up. You can't, right? They are so far behind that they are not even in the picture yet. How long do you think it took for them to realize, no matter how fast I swim, I am not going to catch up to that woman? And that's the conclusion that we come to when we try and pursue righteousness ourselves. And so do you know what we do next? We change the rules of the game. We come up with our own definition of success, one that we can actually achieve. We look at our lives and we say that it looks like a particular type of of parenting that makes us look like really good moms and dads. Or it looks like a particular type of of looking or dressing or exercising. A particular type of of working or doing your job or a particular type of of voting and thinking about the issues facing our society. It's sort of like when two kids decide they're going to race one another. Maybe you've seen this happen. They start to run, and as soon as one kid realizes he's not going to win, what does he do? He tries to change the rules of the game, right? It starts out with, first one to the house wins. No, wait, I meant first one to the car wins. No, wait, I meant first one to touch the mailbox wins. No, wait, first one to to touch this blade of grass that's already in my hand wins. When we try and pursue our own righteousness, it's an ever-moving target until we finally come up with something that we can actually achieve. So here's how that, that option number one for our religion works. Step one is to try and pursue righteousness ourselves. Step two is to realize that we can't. And step three is to change the rules so that we can. We're going to call this organic religion. Because just like Jesus told to the, said to those Jewish people, this actually comes from inside of us. This is the religion that comes naturally to us. I mentioned this book that I just started reading. I'm only a few pages into it, but it doesn't take very long for Christopher Hitchens to give some examples of of how he thinks religion poisons everything. But what's really interesting is when Christopher Hitchens attempts to define the religion that he is so vehemently opposed to. Here's what he says. He says, You believe in an infinitely benign and all-powerful creator who conceived of you, Then made and shaped you, brought you into the world he had made for you. If you obey the rules and commandments that he has lovingly prescribed, you will qualify for an eternity of bliss and repose. That's how Christopher Hitchens defines religion, exactly the way that Paul defines option number one for pursuing our own righteousness. And so, just a few pages into this book, do you realize you know what I concluded? He is absolutely right. This kind of religion, that kind of religion poisons absolutely everything. In fact, he goes on to talk about how how that kind of religion produces division. How religious people, on the one hand, are absolutely convinced that they are right in what they believe, even though what they believe is different from what so many other people believe even though none of them can agree on what the truth really is. And we'd have to agree, right? If my validation comes from my performance, then my rules that allow me to succeed are going to be different from everybody else's rules. It leads to division. He says that religion leads to the need for control. How religious people are always trying to control the way that everybody else lives. And again, we'd have to agree. If my validation comes from my performance according to my rules, then I will have to insist that everybody else agrees that my rules are the best rules. Finally, he says that religion leads to condescension. That religious people are always looking down on those who believe differently. And again, we'd, we'd have to agree. If my validation comes from my performance according to my rules, then anybody who doesn't live as well underneath those same rules, doesn't deserve that validation and that approval. Instead, maybe what they deserve is ridicule, rejection, even hate. Christopher Hitchens is exactly right. This organic religion, this religion that springs up from within us, poisons absolutely everything. Realize the favor that he's done us. He has made it so very easy for us to do the very important and yet very painful self-check to see if we have been running on organic religion. The things that I believe, is that just kind of my own personal concoction that I've put together? When I try and answer spiritual questions, do I start with the words, I think or I feel? Do I feel the need to to control the way that other people live or to have them live as I do? And do I get really, really angry when they don't? If someone doesn't believe the same things that I do, do do I look down on them? Do I ridicule them? Do I belittle them? Friends, to whatever extent that is true, it is because deep in our hearts we are running on that organic religion. And Christopher Hitchens is exactly right. That organic religion poisons everything. Thankfully, it's not the only option. Paul presents option number two. And the second option for religion that Paul presents for us is the one that can be described using that phrase that so many people find so distasteful, organized religion. Really, the only alternative to organic religion is organized religion. Now, I realize that I'm using that term in a slightly different way from how it's normally used, but think about this for a minute. It is impossible for organic religion to ever be organized. Organic religion is based on the rules that I decide to live by for myself, and so they will, by their very nature, be different from what everyone else is living by. Organic religion cannot be organized. The only way religion can be organized is if it's a religion that doesn't come from inside of any of us. Is if it's a religion that comes from outside of all of us. In other words, if it's a religion that God himself establishes. Here's how Paul describes it in our verses. He says, I, God, lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So all this business about the rock that Paul is talking about is kind of an interesting twist on the race metaphor that Paul is using. Picture eight runners across eight lanes of a track getting ready to run that hundred-meter dash. The gun sounds and off they go as fast as they can, but right in the middle of the race, God drops a boulder right on the middle of the track. In fact, a boulder so big, so massive, that it blocks all lanes, all eight lanes of the track. A boulder so big and massive that any of the runners who would try and go over it or go around it would ultimately stumble And fall. That rock in this picture is Jesus. Here we are trying to pursue righteousness all by ourselves, but then God steps in and He puts Jesus right in front of us. And He says, This is where you are to find your validation, your approval, and your acceptance. Now, of course, some people still try and find those things by going around Jesus or jumping over Jesus, but it doesn't work. People might say, for example, surely God is going to lower the standards a little bit. Surely he can't expect out of us absolute perfection. No one can do that. But then Jesus comes along and proves otherwise. Jesus demonstrates exactly the flawless life that God does expect us to live. Or people might say, well, surely if I I commit a sin here and there, as long as I'm not too bad, Surely a loving and merciful God will kind of look the other way. He'll just sweep those sins under the rug. But then Jesus comes along and proves otherwise. Jesus' death on the cross proves that God is completely serious about sin and that every sin that is committed has a penalty that must be paid. Try and pursue righteousness, validation, approval by going around that rock and ultimately you stumble and fall. Really the only option in this race is that when you get to that rock, you just stop. You stop running altogether. You stop trying to get around that rock and you simply stand on that rock. In fact, you build your entire life on that rock. You seek and you find all of the validation and approval that you need, not in your performance, but in Jesus' performance. You claim his performance as your own. You claim his life as your life. You claim his death as your death. And guess what? It works. Paul says everyone who puts their trust in him, everyone who stands on that rock, will never be put to shame. In fact, the very same father who so approved of Jesus' life and Jesus' death that he raised him up from the dead has that very same approval for you. Not just a mom or a dad saying good job, but, but God Almighty, our Father in heaven, looking at us and saying good job, son. Good job, daughter. I'm proud of you. And friends, when that's our religion, when we find that approval and validation in Jesus, it changes everything. That division that's caused by organic religion, it it turns into devotion. After all, if, if my approval and validation has to come from outside of me, so does everything that I believe. And I would no longer think to answer a spiritual question by saying, I think or I feel, but God says. An unyielding devotion to God's word, the only thing that can unite people in their faith. The need for control caused by organic religion turns into the desire for conversion instead. Why in the world would I care whether everyone follows the rules that I follow if they don't have the religion that I have? I don't want them to live like me. I want them to find their righteousness like I do and I want them to end up in heaven with me. The condescension caused by organic religion turns into compassion. If someone believes differently from I do, from the way that I do, I have absolutely no reason to look down on them for that because after all, what I believe causes me to think the very least of myself. None of my validation and approval comes from me. All of it comes from Jesus. Yes, organic religion poisons everything, but but God has given us another option. Organized religion, the religion that comes from above, and that religion is the poison that poisons organic religion that comes from within. You know, a while back I, I read some advice that said that when a pastor tells people that he wants them to go to church or Bible class or all the things I mentioned before, it's very easy for it to seem as though he wants something from them. And the key is instead to make it clear that he wants something for them. I don't know whether I always do a a perfect job at that, but hopefully today I can succeed. And, And here's the best way I know how to do that. Friends, by nature, you and I are are veritable greenhouses for this organic religion. Because of who we are and how we are by nature, it's like that weed that just keeps growing up again and again no matter how many times we pull it out. And that organic religion not only poisons everything in this life, it leads to hell in the next life. But thankfully, our God has intervened and sent another religion by sending his son Jesus, by by giving us all of the approval and validation that we need in him. He's placed in our hands the roundup that kills that organic religion that springs from within, within us. And every single church service, every single sermon, every single hymn that we sing, every Sunday school lesson, every Bible passage is nothing more than another dose of that roundup that poisons to death the religion that poisons everything. And another dose of fertilizer that strengthens the faith that bears such wonderful fruit, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And friends, that's exactly what I want. Not, not from you, but for you. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.